I didn't. I wasn't recording all of our bullshit, Paul. Yeah. It's Friday, July the 3rd, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Poet Dangling in Midair, and with me today are my fellow Contributing Editor and Spanish Flan Flinger Molly Quell, and Palpator's Master Student in Civil Engineering and Horse Breed Connoisseur. I'm very curious what your job title yeah, is about, Yeah, seriously. Well, mine is. Do you, want, do you want to start with mine? Um, yes. Well, yeah. This is just because uh, you may be vaguely aware, although there's no reason why you should be, uh, of this uh, absolutely... <laughs> catastrophic situation that's been going on about whether where, where people from the UK can fly to this summer. Because now, now that Britain's not in the EU, they basically decide they want to have their own rules about how people can fly. So they set up these things called air bridges, which are supposed to be, you, know, you, you, could, fly, you could fly back and forth between two countries. But the whole thing's, um, and this was supposed to be announced like end of last week, and there's supposed to be a group of about 10 to 12 countries. Then started this week, they said it's going to be a bit later now. Um, it'll probably be about 15 countries. And then by sort of Wednesday, they said uh, we're going to put the whole thing on hold again because um, the Scottish government's not very happy because Scotland has almost eliminated Corona now, whereas it's still flying around England and they don't want it to, to re-import it. Uh, so oh. Wednesday, it was put back again and it was now the list was up to about, I think, about 45 countries. And then on Thursday, they say we'll, they will announce it on Friday. And by the way, it's going to be 75 countries. So it's just completely collapsed, basically. And this all started, of course, because the UK decided to introduce quarantine at the beginning of June when they'd already basically lost track of corona anyway and there was no point doing it. So, And Hmm. so the upshot is I still don't know whether I'll be able to go and see my family this summer because... um, And and so I, in honour of this, because these things are called air bridges, there is a um, famous bad poem by a guy called William McGonagall um, about... um, (laughs) A uh, the Tay Bridge disaster in 1879, which is when oh, a, a, rail, yeah. a railway bridge collapsed, um, uh, and uh, in Dundee. And uh, th- th- this guy's kind of got a kind of cult following as for, for the absolute terrible poems he wrote. And the Tay Bridge disaster is one of his <laughs> most famous ones. So I basically wrote a parody of this called the Air Bridge Disaster, um, and that was. Uh, Are you nice. going to be quitting Dutch news to pursue your poetry career full time? I think that would be a terrible decision uh, <laughs> on all levels. It'd be disastrous ol- for me. The only thing that pays less than journalism <laughs> is poetry. It'd be disastrous, exactly. It'd be disastrous for me financially and just disastrous for the world of poetry. So no. Yeah. As long as you don't uh, write your poetry in Dutch, then I think you uh, you will be fine. That would yeah. probably improve it, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, 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 but but aren't aren't our bri- air bridges something from um, uh, the, the way Western Berlin was was connected to the you would think so yeah exactly it's a war it's another war metaphor but basically anything the british government does these days has to be um, reference to the second world war i was gonna say the british government every response (laughs) seems to be very obsessed with the second world war in a way that i don't see other european countries sort of i'm addressing i'm actually seriously thinking of pitching an idea to japanese tv saying you know there's an island off the coast of france where people are still fighting the war I would watch I that. I think it would work. It's better than yeah. a lot of the yeah. reality show that's on in the Netherlands, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but don't mention the war. No, absolutely. Yeah, Basil Fault is cancelled. Um, yeah. uh, Paul, uh, you've been uh, the, um, uh, correcting um, uh, international celebrities about uh, Dutch horse breeds this uh, this week, I see. 
Well, I wasn't because <laughs> I'm not from Friesland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there were a lot of people who uh, who were upset about it because Kim Kardashian tweeted a photo of her uh, youngest child. Um, North is her name, I believe. Mm-hmm. Molly knows this. Uh, I thought North was the older one. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think it was North. Northwest. And uh, she was standing next to um, a Frisian horse, mm. which is a quite famous breed i thought only in the netherlands but apparently worldwide it's uh, but she misspelled it mm. she er, she wrote friesian with a double e yeah. instead of an ie you can also write it with a z but then you have to write f-r-i-z-i-a-n mm-hmm. uh, but she really messed up the the whole spelling of it so yeah. a lot of people who are from friesland uh, which is of course a province about four people f- yeah about four people and a lot, but a, a lot strong- of pride Yes. With a yeah. lot of pride, yeah, that yeah. was what I was, uh, 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 <laughs> what I wanted to mention. So they were all very upset that she misspelled that name, which mm. isn't that big a deal, I think. If you are just a random person, I don't expect you to 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 know the spelling of the word Frisian. Yeah. But she owns fourteen of these horses, <laughs> so <laughs> you yeah. would think that uh, at that time you would know how to spell it. So, yeah, if you yeah. spoke to somebody who knew the horse breeds, would know yeah. the right spelling. Uh, I, I thought exactly. when you when you mentioned that. Um, Kim Kardashian, the top half about Kim Kardashian's Frisian was that she was keeping cows. Yeah, the cows are also a very, very famous um, uh, breed of, uh, of uh, yeah, cow breed, I think. Yeah, the, aren't those the, the black and the white? Black and uh, white. Yes. The thing that we uh-huh. all think of as a cow is actually from yeah. Friesland. Yeah, the like, black yeah. and white Which spotted is... ones. Which was genetically modified to produce the most amount of milk. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, maybe she also has fourteen cows. Who maybe. knows? Maybe <laughs> I mean, you never really know. For the photo. It's true. No, you never yeah. know. She probably doesn't know herself. No. How many animals <laughs> she owns in total? I don't think so. True. It's it's a complicated discussion. I think. Yeah. I wonder if she has a Frisian horse back, which she brings along to the club to sort of sh- uh, show off her 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 horses, mm. just like uh, uh, Paris Hilton had with the Chihuahua dog. I think that would be. Oh yeah, that's interesting funny. to see. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, another complicated discussion this week uh, revolved around um, uh, Spanish desserts. Uh, yeah. Did it not, Molly? Yeah. yeah uh, one of our <laughs> colleagues posted in the Dutch News WhatsApp group a racist photo picture uh, advertisement for Spanish flan that for some reason I guess parts of Spain associate with being from China and and all of the stereotypes sort of associated with that and we sort of got into it about whether or not the bamboo style font was racist <laughs> which spoiler alert it is guys so mm. uh, don't is it though yes yes Paul it is hmm. yes okay um, so it was yeah, like, it's, it's, it's sort of like uh, you know the, um, the, the doing an, doing a really bad impression of a Chinese person speaking English or Dutch, yeah, you know, exactly. and and sticking out your front teeth and pulling your eyes up at the corners. Yeah. I yeah. think in the in the in the in the spectrum of racism, sure. I think those <laughs> things are much worse this, than a bamboo style. Yeah, family. but this isn't the oppression Olympics, Paul. Like we're not trying to out racist <laughs> each other here. <laughs> this is the Netherlands, Molly. <laughs> yeah, we need to inburger. Focus on your speed skate and just leave the racism to the to people who have a better <laughs> the understanding experts. that yeah. slavery was a bad thing. We will come on to that later, but first of all, we have uh, some uh, d- delightful um, uh, op-ef from close to Friesland, but uh, somewhere uh, even closer to my heart. So, Paul, what was this week's op-ef? I love this op-ef. It's so delightful. <laughs> King Willem-Alexander visited the village of Borger in Drenthe earlier this week. Uh, not many people knew about the visit, and it 
almost passed completely unnoticed if it wasn't for one window cleaner. Herman Dinius was on his way to his next customer carrying his gigantic ladder on his <laughs> shoulder while cycling uh, when he passed the market square of the Drenthe village. Unaware that the square was the site of a royal visit, Hermann kept cycling, passing the king who was standing only a few meters away from him. One of the king's bodyguards tried and failed to stop Hermann with his ladder on his bike, which prompted Hermann to yell at the bodyguard that the guy was insane. Um, the whole scene was captured on video and immediately went viral. Herman told uh, reporters later that he assumed the small group of people had gathered for a simple wedding and he was completely unaware the king was standing there. The video also raised some concerns regarding the king's security, but most people thought it was uh, wonderful that this can happen in the Netherlands. And it resulted in one of the one of the best photos yeah. uh, uh, that I've ever seen. Yeah. I, 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 I um, fear that we can't share it because of copyright reasons, uh, but I'm sure you will be able to find it on, on, on Twitter yeah. if you yeah. uh, search Willem-Alexander and Ladder. Somebody's managed to snap this picture at just the perfect moment. They could not yeah. have timed this better. Yeah, yeah. it is. Because yeah. what you see is this guy with this ladder on his uh on his shoulder the, the the one thing is that you can't really see that he is on his bike at that at that you just that about time. see the handlebars don't you if you look yeah, really you carefully just see it. yeah you just see yeah. it if you look very carefully <laughs> and in between the the you know the steps of the ladder yeah. you see the face of the king who is just observing the whole scene very and <laughs> the, yeah. yeah yeah and he's just perfectly framed and in focus it's just one wonderful yeah. it's almost yeah. art the way yeah. the, the, the the king is in focus and yeah. the ladder and the guy is is sort of a little bit blurred so <laughs> yeah. it's 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 the best photo i've ever seen i think yeah it's really yeah. good yeah, and I just love the fact as well that uh, amid all the kind of uphef and commotion about this happening, not hardly anybody mentioned the fact this guy was holding a ladder <laughs> on his shoulder while he was on his bike. This is no. like a normal thing to happen in the Netherlands. It's, it's, it's a like, normal thing to happen, yeah. yeah. Any, if you did that in any other country, you'd be arrested and thrown in a lunatic asylum. <laughs> you know, really. As, especially <laughs> if you pass the head of state yeah. within a couple of minutes. You probably get yeah. shot. If you do that to Trump, yeah. you get shot by the police. You yeah, know, for sure. 20 of them would surround you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a deli deli delightful op-ef. So it's nice to have a nice op-ef rather than a kind of outrage op-ef for change. This week, we finally get to talk about something other than coronavirus. A new party rises from the political scrap heap, and speaking of old junk, Brexit's back. Oh no. Uh, we so. knew this was so, coming. So, so, so basically, Corona is cancelled and Brexit returns. Corona yes. is cancelled and Brexit returns. You can't escape. Katie Cotty. Break the Chains is the annual commemoration of the abolition of slavery on July the 1st. This year's event went ahead without an audience because of the coronavirus restrictions, but coming in the wake of Black Lives Matter and other demonstrations around the world, it rekindled a debate about racism in the Netherlands. In true stereotypical Dutch fashion, the government set up a committee to promote dialogue on slavery and the slave trade. Members will include the Rapper Typhoon, the former governor of Curaçao, Fritz Goedgedrach, and the international footballer Edgar Davids. Ketty Koti has also been added to the canon of Dutch cultural artefacts, which we talked about last week. Linda Noitmeer, chairman of the National Institute of Slavery Studies, NINSEI, said, quote, This is the acceptance and the confirmation that our slavery past is a shared past. Hang on, hang on a second, Gordon. Yeah. Uh, the person who's the chairperson of the National Institute of Slavery Studies' yeah. last name is Noitmeer? Yeah, never again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is, do you think that's uh, why she got the job? <laughs> I think it's kind of nominative determinism, isn't it? 
Yeah, what like, is it with this country and putting people into <laughs> committees who have weirdly related last names? Looking at you, yeah. what's the what's the chicken guy's name? Dahan, right? <laughs> Dahan, yeah. Uh, ha, ha, um, Hannah Dahan. No. Hen, yeah, Henny Dahan Hannah or Dahan. something like Henny that. Henny yeah. Dahan. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I have to say that these these names, um, Nooit Meer and Goed Gedrag, uh, those are great names, but they are uh, typical for the Caribbean um, parts of the Netherlands and also for Suriname. So these yeah. are not names that you would typically see on but, the mainland of, of the Netherlands, but, but they are great names. Yeah, do, do we know if these names, if, 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 if um, uh, people selected these names when they kind of emerged from slavery and wanted to create names themselves? Is that I, not, is I that think so too. Yeah. 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 yeah, and sometimes they would uh, or they would adopt the name of the plantation that uh, where they would uh, would have so worked so they're liberated um, from yeah yeah so yeah. Uh, sometimes that would happen too right okay prime minister mark Rutte told parliament he was in favor of a year of events in 2023 to mark the 150th anniversary of the abolition of slavery in suriname but he drew the line at a formal apology for the netherlands slave trading past Rutte said that such a move risked polarizing the debate and society further so no apologies I, I... from Rutte. I think that uh, he, he said several things. He said uh, that, the, that there is a, a, an important question. Uh, can you hold people accountable now for things that happened in the past by other people? Yeah. Uh, I think that's a valid argument, but the, the whole polarizing argument, that just is nonsense, I think. That's, that's yeah. just utter, complete bullshit, basically. That should not be a reason not to apologize, I think, because there's nothing polarizing. It, yeah, it, so, it is uh, in this country, Paul, as you well <laughs> apparently, know. Apparently, no. Yeah, well, I think that, I think this this argument is just complete bullshit uh, to be I, honest i stand by my assessment of this earlier in the week which is, is that if as a society we conditioned men to apologize as much as we conditioned women or we only had female politicians we would have had apologized for this stuff like a hundred years ago yeah but the thing is uh, if you apologize for slavery now nah, if i would apologize for slavery i have nothing to do with 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 slave trade whatsoever so uh, i in, in a way that may, would make it very easy for me to apologize. But on the other hand, uh, that apology would be meaningless because I don't have anything to do with it. But Yeah, but yeah. No, no one's asking you individually to no, apologize. We're not asking it's, you it's, it's, it's when the country apologizes. Yeah. And he's, he's yeah. apologizing on behalf of the, of the country as a whole that grew very rich and influential as a result of trading in human misery. Yeah. That's the, that's the point of it. I mean, and I the fact that we still have that I, wealth and influence now as a result I, of the I people. I think there the... is an interesting discussion to be had about how much of how much apology. I mean, I, I think, like you said, Paul, like it's ridiculous. Richard should just apologize. You gain, you lose nothing by it. It's it's not yeah. that. It is not. It is essentially meaningless to people who do not care about this. But it is very impactful for people to yeah. know that this matters. And like that, you know, just apologize. It's not that. Ultimately, it's, it's a gesture of respect, basically. It's yeah, acknowledging exactly. that people really suffered. Yeah. Whereas, whereas we've had to, you know, and acknowledging that you're no longer going to, you know, belittle or trivialize their experiences and the experiences that the 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 previous generations went through that still shaped. Um, you know, the relationships in society today. Um, yeah. And it's a first step towards having an open, um, honest debate, honest discussion about it on, on a level footing. Yeah, and so I do that's think... it. It, it. It's not the end of the, it's not the end of a process, it's the start of one. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, and okay. I, I yeah. do think that there is a discussion to be had in terms of, yeah, what do people living today who benefited dramatically, greatly from the slave trade owe to people whose ancestors were you know, uh, traded or like oppressed um, and that sort of stuff. And it doesn't seem to me that the argument is here 
some kind of discussion about like, well, you know, the Dutch government should pay everybody who it trafficked a certain amount of money or whatever. But I do think that there is a lot of discussion about the existing racism that still goes on in the Netherlands and what should be done to eliminate that. I mean, as we are going to see what in one or two stories about this ridiculous WhatsApp group situation where it turns out that like the fa- the most popular hobby amongst Rotterdam police officers is just trading in extremely racist memes on WhatsApp. I mean, there is a connecting line between these two things throughout history. There was more from the uh, there was more that was talked about in the parliamentary debate, right, Gordon? Yeah, the debate was called by the Labour Party, the PFDA, and they and Groen Links, along with the coalition partners D66 and Christen Uni, have all called on the government to apologise for slavery. The motion is unlikely to pass because the PFDA and CDA, as well as the usual suspects, PFFA and FFD, are against apologising. We also had the discussion about whether the Gouda Kuts will be used in future budget day parades. The royal carriage is currently being restored, but is decorated with images of Indonesian and Surinamese slaves. Esther Auerhunt, the Partei van der Dieren, said it was time to put the carriage in a museum, but Rutte would only say no decision has yet been taken. Yeah, but he didn't exclude the option that... Uh, he didn't exclude it, no, and I think he's no. moving towards it. I think that, that, that on this and the apology on slavery, I think I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Rutte or perhaps his successor uh, is... Uh, um, I think the likelihood is that we will eventually see an apology because Rutte this year, of course, remember, apologised finally to Indonesia. For the behaviour of the yeah. Dutch um, after the yeah. war, and that's been that was another discussion that went on for decades. And he spent and, and he spent quite a lot of that time insisting an apology was not um, uh, was not not appropriate, and only eventually to decide that it was. And I think we're probably seeing that same kind of gradual glacial shift on the slavery issue, but we haven't quite got as far down the road yet. Yeah, and in terms of the Gouden Koets, uh, the, the, the thing is, uh, is, is, is very dreadful and uh, yeah. <laughs> very ugly. Yeah, it's aesthetically quite bad as well, so we wouldn't lose anything by not having it. Right? And no, also, it's, it's costing 85 budget, like the entirety of the Dutch government's budget to repair the damn thing. Just put it in a museum. <laughs> that's, that's why we have budget day. We have to determine what the budget for the Gouden Koets is. For the Gouden Koets is. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, 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 the glass replacement carriage is, is, uh, is much nicer anyway, yeah. so I would, uh, yeah. I would mind if that thing would be uh, stored away in a museum. So um, what did Rutte have to say about racism more generally? Uh, yeah, that was kind of the main focus of the debate. Following on from his recent comments that systemic racism was a problem in the country, Rutte said we shouldn't see racism as something that happens in countries like the United States. Uh, quote, the colour of your skin makes a difference here too, he said. He stressed the need mm. for understanding and empathy, but being Rutte also said we should be careful not to dismiss people as racists when it wasn't their intention. Um, and obviously he didn't want to alienate potential Fefe Day voters. Of course. But several parties... Who are all in- accidentally racist. <laughs> yes, funny that. <laughs> several parties, including notably the CDR, proposed setting up a click lane or a meltpunt to tackle discrimination by employment agencies who filter out job applicants with ethnic minority backgrounds. Why been a- is the Dutch solution for everything a click line? Either a click, <laughs> line or, either a click line or a committee. We've had both yeah. of them in this, uh, in this story. Yeah, Or maybe a committee to set up a click lane. A committee yeah. to set up a click lane. That's what, that's what we need here. That's what we need here. That, that'll fix everything. Yeah. It's obviously the, 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 the slavery clickline Melbourne. That's probably, <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's it's probably a, the most Dutch thing you can imagine. Yeah. A slavery Melbourne that is staffed by people on very low wages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and terrible working conditions. Um, no, but uh, 
Yes, there's been a lot of a focus um, in recent months about these employment agencies who will, if you ask them, um, to just kind of uh, bin all the applications from people with sort of Turkish-sounding names. Um, and uh, yeah, I think even the CDR realise that this is unacceptable and needs to be tackled. Uh, MPs also said that racism should be discussed more openly in the education system. Rob Yetten, the soon-to-be ex-leader of Deza Zester, said the next generations have the right to a future without racism or discrimination. Sounds like something an anti-racist robot would say. So some good platitudes there. From, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah was, there, uh, was there any dissent? Did we get any pro-slavery arguments? Yeah, you'd be surprised uh, to hear that there were two parties who uh, denied the whole thing. Gordon, can I guess, without reading the script, which two parties this was? It clearly was Dank and Partai Vodadira, right? Um, no, actually, you managed to guess wrong. Uh, was it, in fact, the PVV and Forum for Democracy, perhaps? Amazingly, you are right. Wow. Yeah. Kurt Wilders stood up and declared the Netherlands was one of the most tolerant countries in the world, and the real problem was that native Dutch people felt they couldn't say anything anymore. Um, racism is wrong, said the man who spent the last six years arguing in court for the right to say we should arrange to have fewer Moroccans in the country. Theo Hidemar for Forum for Democracy also weighed in by complaining that the debate had been dominated by, quote, talk show aunties and betrayed a collective psychosis of virtuousness. Well, that's how I translated their hoops, psychosa. You did a good job in translating this. So Theo Hidemar hit back against race, a debate against racism by being sexist and like mean to people with mental disabilities. Basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's his idea of progress. Yeah, he also said, the Netherlands is not a racist country, thereby eloquently missing the point. Um, I mean, where, where do you start with, with this, really? Um, I mean, I think, I think it kind of comes back to Rutter's um, uh, observation about, you know, it starts with kind of understanding and empathy. You know, where you have a situation where, you know, we've had all this stuff in the last months, right, about the Belastingdienst actually systematic admitting that it used people's second nationality as, a, as, a, as one of the conditions of whether or not people were likely to commit fraud. By the way, the Belastingdienst accidentally destroyed part of their archive. Yes, we saw that. Yeah, yeah funny that. how that works. Yeah, to, to just a random fire in the yeah. uh, in, in the most incriminating part of the just uh, the like building. there was a random fire at the uh, <laughs> driver's license facility before the week before I was supposed to go take my theory exam. <laughs> oh, really? Every, everything you do burns down. I know, you know that's that. exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Catches fire. Yeah, yeah, but the debate was 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 apparently very embarrassing. The first half. Yeah, yeah. really um, poor. With yeah. uh, Geert Wilders and also, for, for example, the SGP who uh, who who claimed um, uh, who said all, that all unborn un- lives matter yeah. and the mm. Partij for the Dieren said that animal lives matter. I, I think well, this is not <laughs> what we are talking about right now. So just shut up about it. Um, I think the second half. I watched a bit of the second half that was much more civilized when Mark Rutte um, responded to it. Um, but yeah, uh, at least we're talking about it. So yeah, I, I guess that's that's uh, it's yeah. a first step towards it, it, uh, improvement. Yeah, that's true. It, I mean, it is a kind of at least to talking about it, but it's just kind of painful to watch sometimes. It still kind of bemuses me, really, to be honest. That a, a country that's sort of people who are well educated and and generally quite strong in reasoned, rational, evidence-based debate, <clears throat> and um, was has been to the forefront on other issues such as gay rights, um, is still about sort of thirty to forty years behind the rest of the world in discussing racism it just i find it mind-boggling yeah 
that um, you know, there's so much catching up to do. And um, it, it comes back to, you know, and when you get to the point you know, where you actually can, finally the stories are starting to come out of um, institutional racism by things like the tax office or by the police and you know, people are actually coming out finally with, you know, with, 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 with real stories of things that actually happened to them that Teo Hidemar can just stand up and say this is all fairy tales and what you yeah. said didn't happen. You know, the, 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 it's just appalling disrespect. You would think that Hidemar, as a trained lawyer, would be familiar with the concept of evidence gathering and actually uh, giving your testimony. But uh, he, and, he, and he, listening he to victims. He, and listening to victims. But he seems to think yeah. that by shutting his eyes and speaking magic words like Hoops, Bifide, he can make the problem go away. Yeah. It's really weird. Rotterdam police have started an investigation into a police officer's private WhatsApp group in which officers used racist terms to describe people with minority backgrounds. This was revealed by NSA newspaper. Nine police officers formed the closed groups, which was shut down in February 2019 after complaints from other officers. Following the revelations by NSA, the police in Rotterdam has now set up an investigation, even though a spokesperson acknowledged they should have taken the issue more seriously at the time. Both Rotterdam Mayor Ahmed Abu Taleb and Justice Minister Fert Rapperhaus called for action and a tough approach against the officers, as well as Midden-Nederland Police Chief Martin Sitalsing, who has been charged with tackling racism within the police force. Sitalsing uh, told NSC he wants to get together to find ways to tackle racism as a whole within the police force rather than on an incidental basis. But I've heard that they've passed a law banning racism and so it's now all solved, right Paul? Yeah, it's finished. Uh, well, the law hasn't passed yet. But, oh, uh, that's the uh, problem. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this country is so <laughs> racist it can't even pass a law banning racism. <laughs> No, you what? know what's going to happen? There's going to be a racism gedoogbeleid, where it'll be illegal, but nobody will uh, actually be prosecuted for it. Yeah. Uh, coalition partner ChristenUnie and left-wing opposition party GroenLinks announced on Monday they will introduce a bill which will allow hate crimes to be punished with heavier sentences. The two parties spent two years drafting the bill, which would make it easier for victims to include a complaint of discrimination when reporting offences and filing official complaints. Courts can already increase sentences if they find a crime to be discriminatory, but in practice this rarely happens. Christenuni MP Seger said the initial motivation for the new law was a series of anti-Semitic attacks in Amsterdam against Jewish businesses and restaurants, but the Black Lives Matter protest had added to the urgency. The law is a move towards acknowledging the deep-lying pain of racism because it forces police, prosecutors and judges to take its consequences into account, Seger said. I'm glad Gerjan Segers is going to solve racism. If anyone's going to do it, it would be him. And Katelijne Groeneweg. Uh, yeah, that's of the, uh, yeah, the links who uh, co-wrote the, uh, the law. In other news, Corona is over and everything is fine now. Uh, corona <laughs> is not the top story on the podcast for the first time in four months, guys. And also, yeah. I'm headed back to everyone's favorite tiny tax haven next week. So there's no nothing to see here anymore. Global you're you're returning to Luxembourg? I'm going back to Luxembourg on Monday. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Luck, you lucky thing. I know. I get, I, a, I get the privilege of going to Luxembourg and wearing a face mask <laughs> the entire time because they have face mask restrictions. So it'll be great. Wonderful. Are you going by train? I am going by plane. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. You have yeah. to uh, wear a face mask to, on the plane, on plane. too. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. You should get a car. You can Then you can just drive to Luxembourg. And... Yeah, but then you have to drive through Belgium. Well, really, just terrible. a tiny bit if you, if you drive yeah, You can avoid uh, most of it. If you go through Limburg... Yeah, yeah then you almost true. avoid you and, then, and, and then and then you can uh, uh, go over the border with Germany. Then you have no yeah. speed limits whatsoever uh, for five minutes, and then you are in Luxembourg. This is true. 
One place uh, where you could also see things this week was the Red Light District, uh, which reopened its windows on July 1st. A spokesperson for the Prostitute Information Center in Davala told Dutch News, we are really happy today. As of July 1st, sex workers could return to work amidst a number of other changes. Outdoor events no longer had a maximum number of visitors so long as social distancing is observed and people are seated and have booked places in advance. Indoor events have a limit of 100 people, excluding staff, and seating is also compulsory. Stradiums, such as the Calp and Arena, can reopen for events as long as people keep 1.5 meters of distance and do not sing or chant, which I suspect will be a real problem for Feyenoord. Coffee shops, which have been confined to takeaway only, can also function as a cafe again. Saunas, sports schools, and gyms can reopen, and competitive sport can also resume, and the limit on visits to people in nursing homes is also being lifted. Um, Another thing that changed this week is that the Dutch Public Health Institute, RIVM, is ditching its daily corona numbers in favor of weekly ones. A further 57 people had tested positive for coronavirus in the Netherlands as of Tuesday, taking the total positive tests to 50,273. The official coronavirus death toll rose by 6 to 6,113, and we will not have any new numbers until Tuesday. Yeah, although they do now now publishing this corona dashboard with a few updated figures on. So you you do get a daily number of infections that's kind of hidden away in the corner of the... No. Um, uh, the, 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 the corner of the dashboard. Yeah, so, but it's not um, doing this like daily update. At they're not doing a daily update anymore. on how many people are infected and died. No, but yeah. the, the, one of the figures they do have is the number of people uh, they estimate are infectious in the country, uh, oh, which uh, I noticed. I just checked the, the dashboard, and it's the, the number seems to have gone up quite a bit. Um, so, well, hopefully, uh, it's not, in, in, hopefully, it's not one of you two. Which yeah, the, number the, has gone up? The, uh, the, there's, the, there's an estimate of how many people are infectious, which uh, in May it was uh, around about 1,700, I think, from memory. And uh, in June, they just published a figure for June, it's 2,800, which is still oh, okay. low. This is the number of people who are actually infected, not who number of people who are sick or the number of people who are likely to die. Um, uh, so some of those people will never develop any symptoms at all, so it's an estimate. Um, but they reckon there's about just under 3,000 people have the virus in, uh, at the moment. Okay. Which is still uh, pretty you, small um, compared to the start of April. Uh, do, you, uh, do you check the dashboard uh, regularly or just yeah, once in a while? Yeah, I, just, uh, I look at it kind of... Uh, well, I've, I've looked, since, since they stopped the daily updates, I've, I've looked at it once a day. Okay. I, yeah. I just opened it for the first time, to be honest. Yeah. But, I had uh, only opened it for the first time yesterday when I was writing the script for this. So. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. The, but they, they do have uh, quite, an, quite, a, quite a lot of data. Also, the, the sewage yeah. water um, tests are, is also included. So, yeah. yes. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, if, if you like numbers about disease, then that's the place to go. <laughs> we'll put a link in. Speaking yeah, of numbers <laughs> about disease, the bills for all that masks and PPE are coming due. The Dutch government has paid 1.4 billion euros so far for face masks, breathing equipment, and other medical aids. In addition, the government has set aside 700 million for vaccines and 300 million to pay for testing up to September, as it is yet unclear what impact COVID-19 will have on health insurance premiums next year. Uh, some health insurance companies have suggested there will be a large increase uh, in the premiums, but Health Minister Hugo de Jonga has said that he does not want to he does not want the cost to be passed on to consumers. Hmm. That'll be uh, interesting. So, I mean, 
the thing is that these health insurers have to are obliged by law to have these enormous financial reserves, and I'm guessing they dug quite deep into them yeah, to pay I for this stuff. So. so, how else are they going to um, uh, keep up those uh, th- those reserves unless the government yeah. does something quite drastic? Uh, yeah, I guess you know, maybe, maybe the government will backstop the them. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Also, so if see, you introduce you a, a system of commercial uh, health uh, insurance companies, then how can you prevent that the cost will be? Uh, passed on to consumers. I mean, that's the whole. That was the whole point of setting up the, <laughs> yeah. the health insurance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I will be interested to see how they will uh, manage this. If you enjoy listening to our light-hearted digest of pandemics, slavery, institutional racism, and Brexit, why not sponsor the podcast on Patreon? We give all new patrons a shout out on the podcast to say thank you for helping us maintain our blanket fortresses, and you can ask us a question if you feel so inclined. This week we have three new patrons. First up is Amarant, who's moved to Eindhoven two years ago and has been listening to us ever since, and asks, um, I would like to know if you have some favourite YouTube channels in Dutch. I'm trying to improve my Dutch, but at my place we don't watch much TV. Um, any suggestions, Molly? Uh, the only thing I ever watch, the only Dutch YouTuber I ever watch is Nikki Tutorials, who only does yeah, it she... in English. Yeah. She has like one video where she does it in Dutch, so I guess you could watch that over and over again. <laughs> uh, yeah, you wouldn't make a huge amount of progress, would you? Uh, that's not true. Sometimes I watch. Um, who is this guy from the Odd Day who does these like vox poppy kind of things? Oh, uh, Rule van Maldering. Yeah, I watch those when they like sort of pop up on my like uh, yeah recommended things because I think that he does a nice job sort of doing the the interviews. So I do watch that. Mm. Yeah. I don't have too many. Uh, no, I don't. Um, uh, yeah, I don't watch a huge amount on YouTube. I'm still. I'm, 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 I'm one of these old. I'm one of these old people who watch the television in silence. Yeah. I've, I've made YouTube videos, thank you. Yeah, that's, um, but that's true. In uh, yeah, I'm um, uh, yeah, I'm one of these old people who still watches TV. Um, but but I, I would say in general, I mean uh, things like things like game shows I found are very useful because they're repetitive. So yeah. if you can dig out any uh, any old if you find any old episodes of Lingo on YouTube, I would definitely <laughs> go for that because it's. Yeah. Uh, it was one of my favorite things I watched when I was learning Dutch back in the 90s. I don't watch that much YouTube videos, so I don't really have a um, uh, recommendation. But what I do think is that the Jeugdjournal, so the sort of yeah. the, the yeah. new show for young people, I, I'm sure they have a YouTube channel because they are, mm. of course, uh, aimed at, at, at young people who spend a lot of time on, on YouTube. So I would, I would suggest to go to their YouTube page and uh, just watch their clips because, yeah. uh, uh, you, you know, they're made for children who are... Uh, so if you want to learn Dutch, then you probably, that's a good way to, to, to learn it, I think. So yeah, uh, I, I would recommend that. I always recommend that to people who are learning Dutch, to just watch Ooh. that on the NOS. I mean, you don't need like a, you can just watch it online. You don't need a, like the TV or some sort of cable package. It's just They've got a good website in the Yost Channel uh, yeah. with, with lots of clips and that kind of stuff. It's quite easy to navigate. All right. So yeah, that, that's a good tip. Yeah, watch the Oceanel and uh, read Siskin Visca. Those are my two tips. Thanks as well to our other new patrons, Liz Sykes and Reto Halblitzel, neither of whom had a question, but we're still very grateful for your support and for everyone else who's stuck with us through the lockdown. If you'd like to join our elite band of patrons, log on to www.patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl. Dutch citizens living in the UK won't have to give up their passports if they have to take British nationality because of Brexit. I've said it. Tom, tom, tom. <laughs> How long has it been since we've said Brexit on the podcast? God, uh, I think not a long very enough. long time. Yeah, yeah, but I'm afraid it's back, and I fear it's not going to go away no. for a while. 
The Senate approved a bill already passed by the lower house that creates an exception to the general ban on dual nationality. Deisus Zestach Foreign Affairs spokesman Schurt Schutzma, who oversaw the law, bluntly summed up why it was needed. They are making a mess of it on the other side of the North Sea, so Dutch politicians are stepping in, he said. Dutch nationals should not become hostage to Brexit. After four years of chaos, this legislation offers them certainty. So... There we are. A decent executive politician telling it like it is. You know, you know, you're in a bad. You know, situation. you've done something wrong. Yeah. Don't we miss the days that Brexit was all all the time on the news? And no. Every every second of the news was dedicated to Brexit. What would you rather have, Gordon? Corona or Brexit? I, I would rather have coronavirus, as in actually be infected <laughs> with just it. Just actually being sick in the hospital on a ventilator. Yeah. If it, if it meant that Brexit could be cancelled, that, 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 that's the price a, I would pay. Would be a small uh, small price to pay. Yeah. So uh, are the Dutch businesses ready for Brexit? No. The small matter of the coronavirus pandemic has diverted everyone's attention. Nevertheless, the British government has insisted that come what may, the transition period, when it has to abide by the EU's rules, will end on December the 31st. And in fact, the last deadline to extend the uh, transition period lapsed at the start of this month. So there is nothing now to stop the Brexit juggernaut crashing into the wall at the end of the year. A year ago, 80% of Dutch businesses said they felt up to speed with the latest Brexit developments, but that figure has now fallen to 49%, which is ironic because nothing's actually happened in that time. Yeah, I was just (laughs) going to say, yeah, (laughs) what happened then? The number of firms that uh, say they're well prepared is unchanged at 31%, so I think basically all the businesses who hadn't really thought about it have now actually looked at the situation and thought, oh my god, this is going to be a disaster. Um, I have it on very good authority that the government's going to bring back the Brexit Muppet in the fall. Oh, ah. oh! Ah. If 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 that would happen, then Brexit I is would worth be it. Happy. <laughs> Brexit is worth it. For you, yeah. maybe. Did you see this uh, Twitter thread, Gordon, from these this guy living in France who has British neighbors who apparently yes. are like totally unprepared for Brexit and everything that has happened? It's not just they're totally unprepared for Brexit. It's better than that. It's, it's the fact that they have a house in France. They wanted to retire to it. This is their dream. They voted for Brexit. And then they're surprised to discover that they can no longer live in France. And uh, that their right to live in the country has been taken away. Which they say, right. of course, is the fault of Brussels. Right. I'm going to have to disappoint you and inform you that uh, that threat was a hoax. Oh, no. Real. Was it? Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah, disappointing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it is disappointing because it was an amusing threat. You should... Regardless, true or false, everyone should just go read it because it's extremely entertaining. Yeah, yeah if it's made up, the guy really ought to get a book deal because it's, yeah. uh, it's very <laughs> yeah, well done. Because it's impressive, yeah. It was, very, it was very well written. He was clearly not a Dutch writer. No, clearly not. <laughs> Beyond new corona measures, a number of new laws went into effect as of July 1. Uh, Congrats to the men on this podcast. They are now eligible for five weeks of paternity leave if they knock somebody up. Also, congrats to everyone on becoming an organ donor. The new opt-out organ donor legislation comes into effect July 1, though it will not be fully enacted until next year. So far, 7.3 million people have expressed their wishes not to be donors. If you haven't done so, you are automatically assumed to be one. So actually about half the population have opted out of being donors. Yeah, which seems crazy to me, but okay. Um, Did anybody here opt out of being a donor? I only opted out of one thing, which was for your uh, corneas. Uh, oh. I didn't want my corners donated because my eyes are terrible, so oh. I don't want to inflict that on I somebody after you, my death. You assumed that you were going to need them in the, to find your way to the afterlife, but well, possibly. Well, <laughs> there'd be no good. I need my glasses as well; otherwise, it'd be yeah, hopeless. Really, yeah. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Paul? Did you opt out of organ donation? Uh, no, I think I'm. Uh, I am registered as a donor. I have some principal disagreements with this law, but that's fine. I um, 
I don't have principal disagreements with it. I think it's a good idea. And uh, I'm also now de facto an organ donor because I didn't have to do anything for it, which is exciting. Hmm. Super. Oh, but can, can you register as a... Because you're not a Dutch citizen. I don't know how it works. Yeah, you're still on the... You can, if you're a resident, you can, you, can, you can also opt out. Yeah. I mean, now it used to be that you had to opt in. Now you have to opt out. So if you want to opt out, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Otherwise, you're now expected to be an organ donor. So if you haven't opted out, for anybody that's listening, if you don't want to be an organ donor, you have to go to the government website and tell them that you don't want to be an organ donor now. Even though that's not entirely true, because they will first uh, consult yeah. the family, even though the whole point of uh, harvesting the organs basically is that it will happen immediately. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, wasting a lot of time uh, calling family to see what they think. So uh, also that, that that bothers me with uh, with this whole law is that it, it doesn't help basically anything because it will they will not be able to harvest any organs because it takes so much time to 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 contact the family so i mean a lot of the times you know when somebody dies their family are literally in the room and they can ask them you know within you know 15 minutes the person dying that's That's what happened to me yeah this country is extremely tiny like where is i mean my family i guess is kind of far away but like everybody else's family is just like a 15 minute cycle like it's fine Supermarkets must now keep cigarettes and rolling tobacco hidden, and the ban on smoking in public spaces and buildings is also being extended to e-cigarettes, which the government has announced it is going to enforce harshly, which I thought was interesting. So you better fucking tuck your rolling tobacco away and keep your e-cigarettes off of... uh... Train so no gedoogbeleid for a e uh, yeah, cigarette. Yeah, no, no doogbeleid. It's it's going down. Yeah, otherwise just put cannabis in your in your vape, and yeah, then you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> the minimum wage is going up, and a new subsidy goes into effect for anyone buying an electric car. And of course, tourists are banned from the city of Amsterdam. Not really, but there is a ban on holiday rentals that came into effect in three popular parts of the city. Not that it really matters at the moment because of Corona. Two politicians who broke away from parties they co-founded are teaming up for next year's parliamentary election in March. Henk Krol and Henk Otter decided to merge their parties, which they formed after they split from their former parties into one single party. We're gonna have to do a little bit of history here. Oh god, I need a drink. Yeah, you, you definitely need a drink. Anyone listening to this podcast should pause right now and pour a very strong <laughs> yes. beverage. Indeed. Come back. Yeah. Henk Krol was the leader of the 50 plus party, but he decided to leave the party in May in the wake of a row over the bullying and autocratic style of chairman Geert Dallas. Uh, this particular fight was basically the culmination of years worth of internal fighting, scandals, rows and disputes within the 50 plus party. Krol was accused of seat snatching by his remaining 50 plus MPs and he decided to stay in parliament. Next, we have Femke Merel van Kooten, who had split with the Animal Rights Party Partij voor de Dieren because she felt, and this is true, the party focused too much on animals. <laughs> Initially, she snatched her seat as well and remained in the Tweede Kamer as an independent MP, but then she joined Kool's 50 Plus party and decided to follow him when he broke off from 50 Plus. Together, they formed a new party called Partij van de Toekomst. They first, and this is also quite funny, they had to uh, ask for permission uh, because a comedian once uh, also formed a party called Partij for the Toekomst and it was a joke but it was officially registered oh, yeah, as a I remember political this. party yeah. so they had to, to ask permission uh, uh, if they could use that name and he said yes but it was funny that they yeah. would use this name then we come to the second Hank, Hank Otter, co-founded Forum for Democracy with Thierry Baudet and was briefly the leader of the party's Senate group. He was expelled from the party after a public row over the party finances, but Otter decided to remain in the Senate as an independent senator. 
Again, a seed snatcher. Otter founded a new party called Go! Exclamation point, and was joined by numerous other local FAA representatives. And now the three seed snatchers with a history of quarreling <laughs> have decided to merge their parties into one and what could possibly go wrong. I've actually ordered uh, a lorry load of popcorn for this selection uh, <laughs> yeah. campaign. Yeah, 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 indeed. Otter told the Telegraph that the party was uh, aiming to win 10 seats in the election next March, which would require a 6.7% share of the vote. 50PLUS won four seats in the 2017 election, while Forum for Democracy only took two. Cole will lead the candidate list and Otto will mostly function behind the scenes together with the exact same team that helped Forum for Democracy grow. There was also a minor upheft because Hank Kroll, who has already proven in the past that uh, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer uh, when it comes to statistics and interpreting data, tweeted a screenshot of a Telegraph poll which showed that 79% of people thought the merging was not a good idea. But Kroll wrote in the tweet, how great, 21% of the electorate will potentially vote for the Partij for the Toekomst. So he uh, completely misinterpreting the whole poll, but yeah, that's something that uh, Hank Kroll is, uh, is known for. So yeah, yeah it was, wasn't really a surprise. And uh, what's happening in the CDR? Well, last week uh, it was announced that there are four people in the race to lead the party's candidate list in next year's election. These are Health Minister Hugo de Jonge, Junior Economics Minister Mona Keizer, who uh, spent her week baking pancakes. Mm. Um, we also have star MP Peter Omzicht and a fourth backbencher nobody ever heard of. And guess what? That fourth candidate dropped out of the race this week. Martijn van Helvert decided not to go forward after several polls showed his support was a devastating 0% among CDA members. Yeah. What I loved about that was that uh, after the polls came out showing he had zero support among the membership, he put his own poll up on his own Twitter account. Which he lost. <laughs> which he also lost. He finished fourth yeah. in a poll of his own followers. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, poor guy. I feel bad for him. <laughs> there was a rumor that his candidacy was sort of a Machiavellian plot to draw away votes uh, from Mona Kaiser because Mona Kaiser is a Roman Catholic uh, candidate and Martin van Helvert too and he's quite popular in his own little district of Limburg so the idea was that he would draw the uh, Roman Catholic voters that would normally go to Mona Kaiser and thus uh, improving the chances of uh, Hugo de Jonge but yeah it, it, now that he he um, he's not drawing the interest of any voter it does not matter no, not even himself so it doesn't matter yeah. so this uh, this this Machiavellian plot is uh, sort of disproven uh, now. yeah it was just kind of the stalking horse that didn't stalk Football's most fragile hamstrings are coming home after Aaron Robben came out of retirement this week to sign a one-year contract with FC Groningen. The 36-year-old said he wanted to help his hometown club recover from the COVID-19 crisis when competitive action resumes in September. He said he was acting out of love for the club where he made his professional debut as a 16-year-old in 2000. Robben acknowledged he had no idea how many games he'll actually be fit for and he even has a clause written into his contract saying he'll only be paid if he stays free of injury. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That could be a big ask, as injuries have peppered the winger's career and limited his final season at Bayern Munich to 12 games. So uh, has there been a uh, Robin effect? There has indeed. Uh, Kroninger sold 2,500 season tickets in the 48 hours after he was unveiled at a press conference. Whoa! Yeah, up until then they managed to sell just over 8,000, so a big increase. It's too early to do the math. 25% increase more than in their season ticket sales. The club's also signed defender Vessel Dummers from Fortuna Sittard, but missed out on journeyman forward Mark Diemers, who opted instead to sign for Dick Advocats Feyenoord. Ah, dun dun dun. 
Robin won 96 international caps for the Netherlands during his career and his list of clubs includes Chelsea, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. He spent 10 years in Germany. He scored 99 goals for Bayern, including the winner in the 2013 Champions League final. And he was also memorably involved in one of the defining moments of Dick Advocaat's career when Advocaat took him off during the 2004 European Championship match against the Czech Republic. The worst whistle since uh, the skater... The worst switch since, well, that came later, didn't it? Sven Kramer, Kramer, when when he forgot to change lanes. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, but this preceded that. This was 2004. The Dutch leading 2-1 in this uh, European Championship group match against the Czechs. They went on to lose 3-2 after Paul Bosveldt came on for Robin, and it sparked such massive national opeth, with Jan Mulder calling for Advocaat to be stoned for the decision, and (laughs) Willem van Hanekom, the assistant trainer, saying he would knock Advocaat to the ground if he did it again the next game, that the Prime Minister, Jan-Peter Balkanen, had to step in and tell everyone to calm down. That's intense. Just imagine a fight between Jan Mulder and Dick Advocaat, and then Jan-Peter Balkan stepping in to sort of... (laughs) I would pay... I would pay money to see that yeah you're almost as good as a pate for the two crumbs um, conference (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah pop your popcorn because this is gonna be good that's gonna be good i had no idea that i now have to hate who is this guy who threatened to stone dick lawyer now i have to i have a new mortal enemy jan Mulder. yeah so i have a new sworn mortal enemy now officially yeah watch out i'm coming for you yeah he's an elderly man well i've no regrets no regrets that's all we have for you this week this podcast is a production of dutch news which can be found online at dutchnews.nl We'll include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast.dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl, and you'll earn yourself a free shout-out on the podcast, and you can ask us a question. My thanks to Molly Quell and Paul Peters. I'm Gordon Derrick, and we'll be back next week. Music.